Well, two weeks ago when I was here, I introduced you to something that I like to do as a preaching style, which is kind of an interactive homily where we, um, I, I could stand here and present a monologue to you and tell you what I think, but I think um, when we have a little bit of dialogue, um, it gives the church an opportunity to speak as well as just me. And um, I think the Holy Spirit uses that time to um, bring new insights for us. And so um, I'm going to try and do that again with you all today. And um, I need your help. I need your participation. But today I want to talk specifically about um, this Collect for Purity. We're going to spend a couple weeks looking at the Collect for Purity Um, Just different aspects of it. We're not going to move through it piece by piece. We're probably going to go through the whole thing a couple times over the next couple of weeks. But um, I want to give a brief introduction as to what um, a collect is and what this prayer um, is all about. And then I I want to talk about it with you for for a moment. Um, So I'll read it again. Almighty God, to you all our hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. So, um, this is a prayer that probably came out of um, somewhere around the 11th century. We don't know exactly who wrote this prayer, but we're pretty sure it's based on Psalm 51, which is um, David's great repentant uh, lamentation psalm. And um, Thomas Cranmer took this psalm and or took this prayer, rather, and put it into the original prayer book when he did that in um, 1549. And it has become um, quintessentially Anglican, I'll say. It is uh, something that we say at just about every service. We certainly say it at every Sunday Eucharist. And um, it speaks to preparing us for worship and it has to do specifically with the heart and um, God touching and changing our hearts and in today's world um, at least in the sort of younger generation um, the heart is a really good thing Um, you know follow your heart you you know follow your heart and um, they didn't have the same understanding of heart, and maybe you don't either, uh, but I'm learning as I continue to um, grow in grace and knowledge and love of the Lord that um, my heart will steer me wrong if I trust my heart. Um, Generally speaking, my heart is in the right direction, but one of Cranmer's contemporaries, uh, um, a fellow reformer, and a man named Philip Melanchthon 
Um, I'll spell it for you later if you want, but it's a lot of C's and T-H's. But Philip Melanchthon <clears throat> is famous for saying, the heart desires, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. The heart desires, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. <clears throat> so what, if we're going to jump in on this, and the heart desires, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. Where does it all start? Simple, underhanded question. Where does it all start? With the heart, right. And what happens when the heart desires? One more time? I heard it. We choose, right? And then, after we choose, we rationalize the decision. That sounds a lot like sin, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like every sin, whether it's a great big sin or a little tiny sin. Um, we want... Uh, <laughs> I, I preached years ago, and um, it was up... It was north of here, and... Um, I guess my, uh, the little bit of a southern accent I had really resonated with them because I said, we want what we want when we want it. And um, they, they just loved that because they thought it was so southern. We want what we want when we want it. But, um, but that's true. We all want what we want. And we want it when we want it. And part of maturity part of spiritual maturity is learning to say no to that immediate and Lord knows we live in an age of immediacy right can I get an amen yes I mean okay <laughs> um, I mean it, heaven help you if you have to stand three people in line at the grocery store right um, I was checking out or actually I was at the service desk at Home Depot yesterday and um, the line was kind of an amorphous blob, and um, the woman stepped up to the counter and said, if you all come over here to the front, we'll take you in order. And some guy walked past the desk and said, I was standing over there, but nobody talked to me, so I came over here. And it, she just looked at me and said, why do you have to be that way? I mean, just... <laughs> um, he was first in line, but he didn't... Yeah, anyway, um, we... We have, um, we have lost the ability to see what delayed gratification looks like. I'll say that. And um, as we're looking at this and talking about, uh, where'd my notes go? Thank you. That'll help. There we go. Y'all are supposed to tell me when stuff like that happens. So... Um, we're talking about the heart, we're talking about desire, we're talking about the cascade that follows. So we, we see something, we have an impulse, we follow it, and then um, that is an action in the will. That is something that we choose to do. We still have a choice. Um, a lot of times when I'm talking to people and they have um, counseling with people and they have all these things where their, their temptations to sin that are 
really eating them up, but they, they haven't acted on them. And, and I really have to bless that and encourage them to say, temptation to sin is not sin. It's a temptation to sin, but it is not sin until action is involved, until words are spoken, until something is done. That's when the will gets involved, is when action gets involved. And so the heart wants something, we respond and do something about that, and then we justify it. It was only a paper clip that I took, or five dollars that I took, or it was only fill in the blank of whatever it was, and we justify it, we justify it, we justify it. That is sin in a nutshell. And sin is um, anything that separates us from God, but the original sin, and this is where I differ from some of these reformers, um, original sin is when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. The temptation that the devil put in front of her was not yet the sin. The sin was eating of the apple. The sin of Adam was standing beside her and letting all of that happen, and then also eating of the apple. He's just as, just as if not more, responsible. But when we look at that, the reformers have this idea of total depravity. There's nothing good in us. And when I read the scriptures, we look at Genesis 2, and God made the heavens and the earth, and he made all the sea and everything that's in it. And every time he makes something on each individual day, he looks back and he says it is good. And on the day that he made man, he looked back and said, do you know? He said, very good. So the, the word in Hebrew is, is um, I'll, I'll transliterate for you, but it's T-O-V, it's tov. That means good. And um, there's an emphasis after he makes Adam and Eve, and he looks back and he says it is tovim. It is very good. And so I, I don't believe that, as these reformers would say, that we are snow-covered dung. Um, that's the reform thought, is that we're a bunch of dung and we're covered over by the white snow of God and of his righteousness and grace. Uh, I think God made us, and he made us good, but because we are also sons of Adam, we have sin in us, and that is what separates us. So the Catholic, small c, Catholic position on this would be that we are made in his image, and we have fallen from his likeness. And so, uh, rather than saying we're a bunch of, of crap, that nothing good in us, we're made in his image and we've fallen from his likeness. And that really gets to the heart of what this collect is all about in preparing us for worship. It's about changing our desires. It's about changing our desires and um, focusing on us 
us on God so that we can worship him in spirit and in truth because it says in John, that's what God wants. He wants true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And if we look at this, it all has to do with the Holy Spirit, which we heard about in our Romans 8 reading. It is, I get there. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong him, belong it to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Holy Spirit who dwells in you. It says it goes on to say that if you live according to the spirit, you will if you live according to the spirit, you will live. You'll have full life. And so the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to cleanse our hearts, to restore our minds, to change our lives. That's what we're asking for when we pray this prayer. Almighty God, to you. All hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Right now, we're imperfect. Sorry, I hate to break that to you, but we're imperfect. But as we live by the Spirit, and as we make those decisions in the will daily to choose the right thing, the godly thing, we are transformed little bit by little bit into the image and the likeness of Jesus. One day when we die, this body won't hold us back anymore. And in a moment, Paul says, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed. We will be changed. And it says in 1 John that when we see him, we will be like him. That's really good news, isn't it? The better news is that we don't have to wait until we die. We can start right now with this prayer that he would purify our hearts that he would transform our desires and that he would grow us into his image and into his likeness that we would worthily magnify his holy name. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your promises. Thank you that when we see you one day, Lord Jesus, we will be like you in every respect. Lord, thank you that you have given us um, your Holy Spirit and that by that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you will transform us and make us new. Lord, give us strength. Give us resolve in our wills to um, 
be the men and women that you desire for us to be and to make those small um, decisions daily to choose what you would have us to do, that we would be transformed and that you would be glorified. For we ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.